0: Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that really can't catch a fucking break right now. Sorry to start in a bit of an aggro way, but this is take three of this recording and we are now annoyed. That's not the actual intro. The actual intro is welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that might misunderstand if you threaten to send in the Navy, both because we all start thinking of the village people and also because we consider it a reasonable way of dealing with Ailstorm. And yes, they are in there because I couldn't think of a good band, to use for a ne- naval metal reference. The only ones that I could think of was Sabaton, because they've got two songs, but that was too tenuous.
1: Yeah, and you like Sabaton and uh, yeah. they
0: one were actually shite. Yeah, so if the Navy gets sitting in to deal with them, that would be funny, whereas if something happened to Sabaton, I'd be distraught. Anyway, that's uh, probably enough talk about sailors because Matt will start getting distracted. This is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBT plus heavy metal podcast. I am Tom Dan. At the other end of an internet connection, which has been giving out all fucking day, is our very own Raspberry Mojito, in the sense that he's slightly camp, is twelve point five percent booze, and is usually wrapped in something metal. Matt Rushton, how's your week been, mate? Apart from the today, don't go on about today again. <laughs>
1: I mean, the week's been mental, and today was meant to be like a nice, chill day, you know, a
0: nice, chill podcast recording, and it's just not happening, is it? No, you're not having any luck at all, are you, mate? Uh, but, uh, in, to try and make things better, I uh, having made up what cocktail you are, why don't you have mm. a go at coming up with what cocktail you think I am?
1: I think I'd probably call you a Mai Tai, because your taste is quite exotic, and you're also
0: campus tits, and a lot camper than myself, so... And I'm also really sweet. Which uh, is, I think, what you're really trying to say. What we obviously need to do, we need to now get the audience to tell us what kind of cocktail we, the podcast, is. So, if you'd like to get involved in that, please just at us on Twitter or send us a DM or whatever. Um, you know, if we get any that are funny, we will read them out next week because. I quite like this game. This could have some legs. Uh, it's, it's very could, us. It could go very badly. <laughs> it well. could go really fucking badly. You know, it's, it's, I dread to think. But let's let's move on and start more of the show because we actually have some news this week. You may remember back in episode six, my pick for what then passed for the Hate Crew Gay Bar was an album by a band called Violet Cold. They are the well they he is the prolific Azerbaijani uh, musician who mixes a million different genres together including things like ambient house and modern pop and Caucasus folk music and throws in black metal as well and makes amazingly relaxing music out of this of what you'd expect to be a complete mess did you check them out back in the day
1: um i checked it out when uh, you talked about it on the podcast before but it didn't like click with me properly uh, but the other night when I was working I had uh, the hate Creek gay bar play this on on Spotify and it came on that song that you put on from knock there and it was really fucking good and then the next morning i woke
0: up and see that there's a new album coming out this week yes there was a surprise album announced this week it's called empire of love and its cover is basically the azerbaijani flag but with the colors replaced by pride flag and one of the tracks is actually called pride it's on his bank app now actually It's, it's already out by the time we we recorded um at name your price so if you want to just check it out for free you can do we think it's all very cool right Yeah,
1: it's fucking brilliant. And um, we are going to talk about it more next week, but we uh, have only had it, you know, a day. So we want a bit more time to digest everything and sort of formulate our thoughts more in a more coherent way. Uh, But it's fucking
0: unbelievable. The actual album itself is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. Of course it is. We're not interested in being like first on things. We want to get them right rather than just be in the door first and we can't do this justice within like 36 hours of hit first hearing this record so we want to listen to that and think about everything that he's doing and and come in properly prepared rather than rushing it so we want everyone to know that he's done it though and we want everyone to know how cool we think this is so that when we bring this in next next time you know why we're so excited right on with the show proper from something really cool we get started properly this week with something also really cool you might remember a couple of months back we spoke in some depth about the homophobic response to a blabbermouth story about roddy bottom of faith no more and his man on man project which is the record he and his partner joey holman made in lockdown that album is now out and i think it's bloody great you'd like it as well matt right yeah i,
1: li- I stayed up last night to listen to it actually uh it's really bloody good the first half of it was sort of what i was expecting um, and then the second half, like there's some quite cool like variations and quite like different genres explored. It's really good. I liked it a lot. It's a cool summer vibe.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's a very summery album, because I think it was mm. recorded in the summer. And it's, it's really poppy, clever, funny, catchy, and it's gloriously, proudly gay. It is. And having spoken in depth about people being horrible about them... I wanted to talk to them about the good thing, which is the really fun record by two men who love each other and want everyone else to know that. So I did, uh, in advance, I do need to apologize. My mic in this interview is doing some really weird shit. And I don't know why, because it's the mic I use every single week for the podcast and I'm using right now. So I've no idea what's going on there. Hopefully I've polished it when I've cobbled it together. But if anything stuck, snuck through, I'm sorry. Uh, also if you want to know who's who joey is the one with the deeper voice it should be pretty obvious but that said here is man on man so thank you very much for for coming on the show in the first place it's really great to talk to you And um, how did the idea for for the man on man project first come about when did this kind of go from being you know something that was in the back of your mind to being something you were actually going to work on
2: uh we were uh driving to the west coast um during uh, almost a year from now on the 22nd of March, um, we were in New York City um, and things were things were getting very real um, with COVID. And we kind of had a couple of thoughts. One was Roddy's mom wasn't doing very well and his family's in California. We were on the East Coast, California's West Coast. And we were like, you know, if anything, we who knows what's gonna happen? Um, know if borders will close whatever and so we were like you know because roddy has you know support and family out west and his his mother's there too let's just go there and also you know two extra bodies in new york city um you know losing those two extra bodies might be good for the city in terms of resources so it's like yeah let's just go drive out and we were in the middle of texas which is kind of like almost halfway between new york city and la and roddy was like why don't we just um make music and while we're passing the time because we had a quarantine anyway once we got there and the idea was sort of just to pass the time make music send it to friends um that's kind of how it started i brought my guitar with me just because i play guitar and music anyway i have my own project and um in texas we just called up and we got a midi controller and some gear and when we got to california all that stuff was waiting for us and It's kind of how it started.
3: Yeah, we got there and we were just sort of interested really in just staying creative in the time. We didn't know what was coming at that point, but it just felt like, okay, there's going to be a lot of alone time. So we had a piano in the place that we were staying. The piano that I grew up playing was in this little house that we stayed in before we went uh, to take care of my mom who was sick. So we just like, we've been together like uh, at this point, almost two years, but at that point. Uh, We had been together for a year, and though we were were both musicians and fans of each other's work, we'd never made any music together. So it was kind of a leap, and it was uh, a little scary and vulnerable place to be, but we just kind of jumped into, like, creating together. And uh, it didn't really become, like, what it became until a couple months into it.
0: Sure. And so the music came first, and then the lyrical angle came second. Is that
2: that correct? Well, I think what Roddy was saying, like we we kind of because we started it just like as a as a as a thing to pass the time. um, We wrote music and lyrics pretty much together. I mean, a little separately, but at the same time. But I think what Roddy was saying was like we thought we were just gonna share it with our friends, just like hey, here's what we're up to um and then we released daddy and that kind of informed a lot of what we were doing and just from the reception of a lot of people online it kind of made us feel like what we were doing was a little bit bigger than just passing the time
3: yeah i mean it was kind of a crazy leap honestly to make a video like we recorded a bunch of songs some with like we had a piano there so we kind of started in a kind of a quiety place like piano acoustic guitar it was super introspective. And basically we just started kind of like writing to each other and for each other in a sort of love song kind of way. And uh, then we wrote Daddy, which was like a lot more electric. We kind of just took a turn at one point. And I was just really crazy about it. To me, that song is just like so dynamic. Like we were really proud of it. And then we just started on this like, I mean, literally we had shit all to do there. We were just inside. I mean, it was like near the beach and stuff. And that was really fun, but like really we just had so much time. So we just started kind of thinking, well, let's make a video. Should we make a video and just like share it? And so we did make the video and then like, uh, yeah, within sharing it like immediately, like it connected with people. And that was a super uh, pivotal turning point for us. It was like, wow, uh, okay. And it was almost not a responsibility, but felt almost like a responsibility to ourselves and everyone, else, everyone who we kind of connected with that initial sort of daddy video and song, to kind of continue and um, sort of flesh out what we were doing conceptually, anyway.
0: Sure, and the, the you, I'm glad you mentioned the daddy video because I that was the thing I saw first, right? And I saw that and went. Yeah, that's one of the very, very rare signs times I've seen a pop video that I've gone, yeah, that's something to do with me. Right. That's mm-hmm. kind of like it's not it's very over about what it's about in every respect. And I go, yep, that's much closer to my life than you know almost all of the videos I've ever seen, right? How much of what you're you're doing is for people like me who haven't really had much of an opportunity to hear, you know, love songs and videos accompanying them that are are relevant to them immediately. And how much is because you kind of like people to see this thing exists and it's great.
2: I think, you know, I'm answering for myself. I I, I know just, but I think, um, I think Roddy and I, since the beginning made it a point to, always just do what we want to do and the unintended response from you know social media and label interests and stuff like that it became clear that like you know you what you're saying like you watched the video and you were like yeah this is I resonate with this that was sort of like that was the most incredible you know result we could have to be able to make people feel seen and represented but I would say like when we went into it we had a lot of conversations because, again, we never worked together before. So there were a lot of sort of heady conversations of, like, why are we doing this, especially after daddy and especially after it got attention. And I think what we realized was, like, the cool thing about anybody being authentic and expressing themselves authentically is that people are going to relate to it. It might not be everybody, but people will. And I think because we're very hell-bent no pun intended. Um, to uh, to stay true to what we like and what we want to do with our project, people get it and they are like great. And and for us, for us, like I think it feeds us and it makes us excited about what we're doing. Um, but it always comes first. Like if Roddy and I like it, we do it. That's just kind of what it is.
3: Yeah. I mean, this was the perfect scenario. And honestly, for me, it doesn't happen that much, but when it does, when you see people or a person create something that comes from the heart and it's really like, that's where we were coming from. Like literally from the heart, like we were like basically writing love songs and to do something that personal and to have it connect, like that's the perfect equation. Um, And thanks for saying that Tom. That's so, that like I mean that your response what you just said like that it speaks to you as a person for that to have reached I mean for that to 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 happen that that's like it couldn't go any better like it wasn't like we didn't have a marketing sort of like plan or anything and we weren't like preaching or anything that was never the intention but to have it start from the two of us from our hearts and make a very personal statement and to have it connect that's super rare and special and I'm real proud of it.
0: And I, you know, I, I'm really glad you are because I think you should be. Um, the thing that I kind of, the immediate follow on qu- question to that though is, were you kind of nervous at all? Because obviously you're putting quite a lot of yourselves out there, right? It's the, it's the problem, the, what the downside to being honest is that you make yourself vulnerable because you're showing who you are. Was there any kind of, was there nervousness about doing, uh, taking that step?
3: And, I don't think so. Not for me. Uh, There was a little bit of vulnerability about it. Like, I'm no stranger to that, but uh, it was vulnerability for sure. But it's something that I love. I love stepping up, and I love uh, provocation, and I love uh, making a statement when I know I'm right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think, and to be, to like, to add color to what I'm saying, like in terms of me not really being that nervous, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I mean, we, we, like, like we said, we did what we did. And then there were a lot of people who were really into it. The nervousness and the newness for me, I think was around people's really disgusting comments on the stuff that we were posting. That's like, that was the entry point for me to kind of being I wouldn't even call it self-aware. I would call it insecure. I mean, that was kind of the, the, the main part for me was like thinking about because you're not just, you're not in a bubble on the internet as much as people like to say that you are like, you know, yeah, you see algorithms and people news, you know, your feet, you're seeing the news that you believe in and all that shit. But at the same time, like you're seeing stuff that like, you don't always like. And with that, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be watching it especially on you know websites that are are like are reporting on music news and there's a lot of different kinds of people who like different kinds of music and i think like that was kind of for me like the beginning of like if i wouldn't but i still wouldn't call it nervousness i would i would say it was like more in it and then when i really processed how i felt about people's comments it was actually more invigoration than the nervousness because it made me really feel like especially because Roddy's so good at being positive and focusing on the positive it made what we're doing I think that much more special
0: and speaking of uh, focusing on the positive um how much music had had you guys seen in the past which is two men celebrating love because for me it was a very novel thing to, to see right it's like oh I haven't seen this before. Why haven't I seen this before? It, it, had you seen more or was that, that a similar th- feeling you had?
3: I think that was a feeling we had too. I mean, that was part of what sort of got us off when we were making it and we made the daddy video. It's like, who else is doing this? No one else is doing this. It was funny in a ridiculous way, but I would always reference like, uh, well, right said Fred. Yeah, (laughs) like that was about it though honestly like I mean there's no like gay male relationship sort of focus that's ever done music which I mean even like straight hetero like couples I guess there's a lot certainly compared to like gay couples but yeah for what we were doing yeah it felt that's made it really special for us too like I've never seen this before it's such a weird thing to see
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that's the thing that I'm most proud of is that, you know, as an artist, you want to kind of leave your mark in some way. I think, you know, yeah, we stay true to what we're doing, but the hope is that we can, you know, positively affect people and uh, bring in people and and form a community in conjunction with feeling like what we're doing feels special and uh, intriguing. And the thing that I'm, you know, really proud of is that, you know, Roddy and I could have just been in a band together and we could have just written music, but, we actually decided to write about our love for each other and our videos showed us being affectionate to each other. And that is something I've never seen before. I think people do show that um, straight people do, but it's always a funny thing. You know, like if, if there's two people like caressing each other or like kissing each other, it's always like a joke in a way. And I think I think because, you know, going back to the, the comment thing, it's like, I think people didn't like it so much because it wasn't a joke. I think if this were two straight guys doing this, it would be really cringy, but funny. Yeah. And I think people, I think people didn't know what to do with it <laughs> because they saw us not being funny. I mean, yeah, there's humor and there's softness in what we do for sure. Um, but it's not like, it's not a joke.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the sense of humor. The um, there is listening to the album. It's it's very clear. There's a sense of humor within it. How much of a kind? How much enjoyment do you guys get from the the idea that this is going to make pe- it's not just going to make people go, oh, that's really sweet and that's really such, but it is going to you know, it is going to make people laugh because there, you know some of it is funny on purpose.
3: Yeah, funny is a little tricky. Honestly, like I mean, that was sort of like going into it, like. Uh like a lot of like uh queer arts in this realm comes off uh in a really like there's a real heavy lean into campiness and humor and cheekiness and um, we're funny people. I mean, we're hilarious. <laughs> We like words and we like concepts. Uh, I don't think we ever wanted to bury the humor, but we were aware that the history of queer arts in this realm is like campy. And it just feels like that's not so much us. Um, But yeah, we were really uh, intent on like bringing in a level of, uh, I wanna say intellectualism, but I, I don't Like, I'm not saying it's that heady, but it was uh, a deep process for us to make these songs. And that was something that came through. And it's a reflection, honestly, like who we are and we really had a good, we have a good time together. I think that's
2: kind of it. I think that's what the humor side of it is, uh, us having a good time. And I think people see that. And also think, I mean, we could get theological about humor, you know, crying and laughter are both ways to relieve a tension that you're experiencing by, uh, consuming information. So it's a release of an emotion. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be confusion. People can laugh when they feel awkward or they feel, you know, embarrassed or whatever it is. They could laugh because they just find something so absurd. Um, people laugh because something is so out of touch with the ordinary. Um, so I hope that, you know, I think that people, if there is a bit of humor in it, that people are laughing out loud, I, I'm hoping that it's more because they haven't seen it before and it feels like new to them. And it's a way of processing um, what Roddy, Roddy and I are doing in a pure way. Of And and I do think the edge of it is like, we have fun with what we're doing. We take it seriously in that we both love our project and we both love what we write, but we're always going to be... Um, it's part of our culture I think it's part of queer culture like Roddy said to be lean into um, not being afraid to have fun with it
0: yeah and it's it's also part of any healthy relationship though right so like what's the number one thing that people look for on a dating profile it's it's GSOH it's good sense of humor and it's kind of like <laughs> being part of a lot like that's
3: G- a that's G- an O-H English thing say. we don't do that here. oh really oh yeah never heard of it. have you heard it Joey before?
2: Is that what people put in like Scruff and Grinder?
3: Like what I'm looking no, for? Somebody with
2: GS.
0: It's more OK Cupid than Scruff and Grinder. Uh,
3: yeah, right. uh, but GSOH G-S- is the thing. Good yeah. sense of humor. Yeah, it's, and it's like that's
0: one thing that seems to be true across like all relationships. The thing people most want in a long-term partner is good sense of humor. Like everything mm-hmm. else, you can, if you can laugh with your partner, then you're on to a good start. Right? If you can't, you might have problems
2: well and thank god i mean this last year has been so intense that's like what what roddy and i have always been really good at doing is seeing the bright side of things through humor or through just enjoying the process um and yeah thank god for that because what a boring year it would have been
0: one thing i also like about the 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 lyrical angle is that you're quite it's not kind of veiled what you're talking about it's clear and over you couldn't really mm-hmm. misunderstand mm-hmm. Um, most of the lyrics that i can pick out um, how much of kind of how much of that was just what happened how much of that was kind of actually if we're going to do this we need to be clear we can't leave people thinking is he talking about Wiggins? no no we are definitely talking about exactly what you think we're
3: talking about um yeah the lyrics come up in an interesting way we kind of both share like you know responsibility of that i think like honestly like uh like when we did daddy i think joey started with the lyrics and joey you are way more literal than i am in writing like i get sort of like veiled and poetic i don't know what that says about us but um like when we were writing daddy like joey wrote those lines i came to your house pulled you know really sexual and pretty literal lines and Yeah, that was like a challenge for me. Like I kind of like noted and I kind of like it was uh, it was, yeah, it was kind of a challenge for me to go there, but it felt really good to do that, to be challenged by, you know, the man I love and also like to go into a new realm of sort of like really literal. And I think like for what it does and what it says, yeah, I think You're right, it's really, um, it hits the nail on the head and there's no fucking around. Like we say what we say and we talk about sexual things and yeah, it feels right, I like it.
2: I think too like some insight into how we wrote the record for people listening with us is a lot of people don't understand like how much prep it takes to go into a studio. You write your songs and then you demo the songs. And if you've got multiple people in the band, everybody's kind of working on their own thing, or you could be in the same room working something out. There's a lot of prep work. And then, yeah, when you demo it, you go to your producer in the studio and they listen to your demos and they figure out how to record it properly or differently. Um, with us, the way we wrote this record and recorded it was all in the same. You know, we're, we're looking at a laptop and we're, we have these song ideas that we're recording. And that just kind of became the song there wasn't like okay let's do like a take five take six take seven and a lot of times with that i would say like 50 percent of the of the lyrics were kind of written on the fly i mean for me personally i always just sing what comes out i'm not really a disciplined lyric writer i literally just start singing and, and that's usually what i like roddy is really good i mean you can listen to a lot of the songs on the record that roddy wrote lyrics for specifically like it floated and a couple of other songs I really love that he worked mainly the lyrics on and it's very thoughtful and and I love it. And I think, um, but when you look at how we recorded it there wasn't like, there weren't really a lot of lyrical revisions. Maybe there were a couple of times but Roddy and I were just like in the moment, what makes sense? What are we saying? And it kind of just went that way. So I think the intentional part of it again, was through those conversations that he and I had was like, let's just follow our intuition and write what we want to write about. Um, and and that's kind of how it all happened.
0: i read a quote, a quote from an interview you gave Joey, where you said, um, and I'll quote if I may, uh, I really do Uh-oh. feel that our relationship does hinge on a lot of support for each other, because that's how it started. I reached out mm-hmm. to him because I didn't know any other gay people that made indie rock music. Um mm-hmm part of the reason this podcast exists is because even though I come from a different scene and I'm coming from a fan perspective rather than a musician perspective, um, that's kind of why we're there. Right. Is like, I know relatively few gay people in metal. Um, Mm -hmm. So how much did that kind of, did that thinking play any part in, in saying, yeah, we definitely do want to put this out there that you can, you know, You can let other people who like this kind of music know that they're not alone and there are others out there like them
2: yeah i mean i think like again since day one like man on man we we talked about it a a bit like what it meant and the space of man on man was freedom and i think by the nature of us supporting each other just with just us two we were able to kind of go into the world with that much more confidence because we had that support for each other. Um, and I think, you know, if, I think when you look at the queer community in general, that's, I mean, that's, it's kind of one oh one in relationships, that's why they're so important. You know, if you don't have people loving you and telling you the truth, like calling you out when you're being an asshole and calling you out when you're being brilliant, you know, you need that freedom to be able to process, you know, things that are amazing about you and and feel confident in them and um i think that's kind of the fruit of our labor in a sense is is this um is this sort of like a world that we've created that's like it makes me excited to have man on a man as a as a springboard to talk about things like this for sure i don't know if that answered your question but uh opportunity did
0: (laughs) i think so guys thank you so much this has been brilliant it's been absolutely pleasure to have you on the show and thank you so much for making this record it's it personally has meant actually a a surprising amount to me i wasn't kind of ready for how much i'd go oh i think this matters to me um so thank you very much
3: yeah thank you that feels so good to hear tom thanks and thanks for uh your work that you're doing We found it on the internet, and we really connected, and it felt really good to like. I mean, like you as a fan, like it's so great to hear queer voices out there that aren't afraid to sort of put stuff out in the world and uh, take risks. And thank you for that.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm really, I'm blushing. I'm kind of really touched when you said that. Thank you. Thank you again to Roddy and Joey. Man on Man's self-titled album is out now and it comes officially Hellbent for Metal recommended. And God, it's great to be talking about positive stuff about that band.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, that's, you know, when they were making the record, that's what they would have wanted. And thankfully, we can get to do that. You know, it's, I'm really, I was really glad when I heard it and I was like,
0: oh, it is actually really good. Because yeah. I didn't just want them to be a fucking story, you know? Yeah, no, they, aren't, they are genuinely good. Uh, And we will have another positive thing about something genuinely good in the shape of violet cold for you next week. We dance in worryingly mincy fashion into the mauve lighting of the hate Gay bar where I've had to lay on some extra security for the night just in case Matt tries to beat me to death with a chair because of what I say about the album he's putting in the jukebox this week. Let's get it over with Matt. What are you losing your shit (sighs) over this week? Yes. Um I brought in Gajira. Um it's half my trademark,
1: you know, it's French, but I'm not sure you could quite call it underground. Um this is their seventh album and, and I'm Yeah, and I'm not gonna pretend you've not all already heard it by this point. Yeah. It's been out a week and they also released about eight hundred and thirty seven singles from it before release two. But yeah, I just need to talk about it. I fucking adore this. Um yeah, Thomas, shall
0: we get your take out of the way early? Uh we well. Maybe. Um, the thing I need to say at the start is that because they're French and because of, my, of the era I was brought up in and because I've seen A Lower Low, I cannot hear the album title with thinking of Officer Crabtree saying Fartitude. That's how the, the, the English spy who's masquerading as a policeman in A Lower Low says the word Fortitude right i don't uh know that reference so i've not had that issue but thank you for that <laughs> uh, oh no i'm sorry i forget you, I, you are a you're a certified young person um i'm really struggling to talk about this because i'm not enjoying it right but the reason that i'm not enjoying it is the kind of thing where it's not just like it's not you think this song is well written i think this song is badly written it's nothing like that it's the kind of things where if i start pointing out the things it might spoil it for someone do you remember what happened with death magnetic where it was kind of it was really overly um loudness ward to the max and the uh cd edition was clipping i don't remember
1: it because i was like 10 but i've read about it in hindsight yes <laughs>
0: okay Where it was it, it was kind of it was this weird thing where this, the loudness war was coming to its head and like Metallica, it was really noticeable to some people because in the uh, version they released with Guitar here and Metallica, it wasn't clipping. And with yep. the um, version they released on CD, it was mastered so with a gain so high that everything was clipping. The problem was that until journalists pointed it out there were a load of people who just hadn't seen it so a load of people heard the album, and thought it's great and then someone pointed out yeah you know it's really clipping right and they went oh yeah you're right it is and it ruined it for them I don't want to do that right I don't want to be the arsehole who ruins something that's that people think are really cool for them and there's no way I can really talk about it without going into that stuff so I'm gonna let you say what you think is really good about it and try not to be a dickhead
1: (laughs) So I need to start straight away by uh, giving a shout out to hi- how high the bass is in the mix throughout this record. I think it gives every single song an extra punch and power and makes them sound even more sort of, you know, monolithic than they already do with Mario's incredible as per drumming and um, Joe's sort of ferocious vocals. I won't talk too much about the singles because we've all heard them a million times. I will say that they're all fucking rages, I think. Even Amazonia, which was the one that I didn't really click with on first listen, I really, really like that now. I think it works a lot better in the context of the record. But, so yeah, I want to focus more on the tracks that we, you know, haven't heard before. Uh, the first of those is Hold On. Uh, Tom, when you first messaged me about this one... You I need like to jump this, in and you. say this, yeah. is,
0: this is one of the two songs of the album I genuinely like.
1: Mm. Is that because it starts and it sounds like a folk metal song? Uh,
0: no, I hadn't even noticed
1: that until you pointed it out. That first, like, acapella sort of vocal type thing is well folk metal.
0: Uh, is it? I hadn't really noticed. It's no. It's more to the riff bits. It's the really, it's okay. the really riffy bits where I just go, "Oh yeah, that's cool."
1: Mm. Well, uh, yeah, I sort of found it was like quite folky, and that put me off like the first few times. This is the one that I think took me the longest to gel with. Um, but you know, now I sort of now I get it. Now I get what's going on. I fucking love it, especially that riff um, with like a minute to go where it goes double time. Like, yeah, that's also good. Yeah. I've mentioned this is going to throw you um, that new metal is making a comeback multiple times on this show, but this week, um, ladies and gentlemen, Thomas finally admitted on Twitter that he's a huge metal fanboy. No, um, I did not. You take that back. That that's actually what happened.
0: I can. Mute my, <laughs> you, I will mute your microphone. I'm I'm currently running the recording, so I can mute his microphone anytime we want.
1: Hmm. So but you take that. You
0: myself. retract that. I said nothing of the sort. I said I was alive <laughs> when new metal was happened. <laughs> Just because, um. just because I was like, because everyone in the world was listening to Follow the Leader when I was 14 does not mean that I am a Corn fan, for example. It's just that's, that mm. album was impossible to get away from. Yeah. Kind of in the that's same fine. way that in that's 2003, funny. everyone on the planet knew all the words to I Believe in a Thing Called Love because you couldn't turn it off. Hmm.
1: I'll be the new metal fan of this podcast then. That's fine. I can Yes, you will. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is because the um fir- the very first part of New Found is fucking well new metal. The first three or four seconds like the how it comes in. It's not even the riff, because I don't know even know if it is on guitar, but it's crazy. And yeah, I mean I know I said I wouldn't talk much about the singles, but I fucking love the chant. Um that song sounds like a natural follow-up to what the Kajiro were doing on Magma but with added cowbell, I mean what's not to love.
0: Everything. No, I, actually, that's the one. So, I, th- uh, although like I, like my criticisms of the album are entirely to do with the recording, not the songwriting, right? Which is why I'm being very careful about what I say, so mm-hmm. I don't spoil it for someone. That and Fortitude are the two exceptions where I go, you, but it's it's the same thing over and over again for a very long time. It's just it's very repetitive it is repetitive it's way too long like if that's if that whole episode of two tracks was four minutes i wouldn't have a problem with it over the course yeah. of about eight or nine i'd go mm, no you've got uh, no i do long. get
1: that it is repetitive but you've got to remember that i bought in All Hava a few weeks ago which you know has like a tw- <laughs> 20 minute song with yeah. <laughs> one with riff, two so. riff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah um i think sphinx is the one for me um that came on the other day when i had kajira on shuffle and it just it sounded like a classic song of theirs and it's only been out a week it sounds like it could be on the way flesh or whatever i think that's a fucking brilliant song um i'm interested to hear you take on the trails as well because this is very different for kajira i dare say it's a ballad i mean it's at least as close as they're ever going to get i think i personally think it's fucking beautiful what what do you think of that one
0: i thought it was fine i didn't have a problem with it i I didn't particularly get into it i look i'm gonna try and say some positive things right into the storm and hold on i think genuinely good songs right i like them born for one thing another world in amazonia i think even if i don't like them on record when they play them live i think it I'll have a great time. I still love the message. I still really like the fact that they are trying to get massive by pushing boundaries, not just driving to the middle of the road. There are things in this album which are clearly expanding their sound and are probably less accessible than some of the stuff they were doing on Magma, right? So, all that, good. Oh, and of course, Jean Duplantier is absolutely dreamy still. He is still a very handsome man. All of that, absolutely fine. It's Apart, it is just the title track into the chant, I find, is quite repetitive. Unfortunately, there are just a few things that prevent me from enjoying it. And most of my positives that I've just kind of described, they're all things that I think rather than I feel. Yeah. And with music, you you can't think fandom. Right? No, you either feel it or you don't. That's not how it connects with you. And I'm really sad. I used to love Gojira and I want to join in the fun, but I, I can't. I'm missing out. I can like it enough for the
1: both of us. This album is fucking flawless in my opinion. I cannot stop playing it.
0: Um, so, you know, that's fine. Okay, well whether or not I'll be going to the H C G B bar when Songs Off It come on, Fatitude by gujira is in the play is in the jukebox the playlist, the jukebox now. And after the incredibly technical metal of gujira my pick this week is about as earthy and primal as black metal can get because i'm putting fionask's new album seven kinoma uh before anyone gets confused it is their fourth studio record but it's their seventh release which i think ah. is why it's got the seven yeah there's like a split a live album and uh, ep yeah, in
1: there i was gonna of. bring this up because last week ben thos's debut was called two and now
0: the fourth album from Finask is called Seven. I can't yeah. keep up. No, this is this is their seventh release, so it does kind of I'll make let sense. Them off. Uh, and yes, if Matt picking a French band is predictable, then I've been predictable by picking a German. Um, this used to be a solo project uh, and then mm. they became a full band after their second record in about 2014 uh, i got into them on their debut because i was working the terrorizer office and i saw in a big pile of you know black metal albums all of which had almost identical covers there was this brown thing that looked very different the follow-up ld and not i thought was even better their third album fawn i thought was even better than that and then this arrives and it's fucking mind-blowing frankly it is just incredibly visceral and atmospheric and intense and thunderous and gripping uh matt before i actually spill my drink step in are you feeling this one or am i out on my own
1: yeah and it's interesting actually because i think i listened to their last album thorn as well uh so this was on my list to listen to when it came out because i remember liking that one and i also sort of saw the like a tagline sort of thing of what this new one was and it sounded right up my alley yeah i mean lo and behold it is uh you may have noticed i like black metal quite a lot and no, i also like kept it atmospheric quite. shit quite a lot um you kept back quite so, so when the first song started with like a nice sort of soundscape and build to sort of coming in rather aggressively after about four minute mark it like my ears were well and truly pricked up the it yeah i fucking love this record it's fantastic
0: yeah and the thing I love about it is that there's a there's like a touch, although it's kind of swirling in parts and chaotic, even when it gets like really confusing, there's still this like rich warmth to it, which I really love. And part of it is because they will just kind of drop away and go into these weird, like almost batushka y moments, right? There's this, these kind of almost liturgical vocals. I mean, obviously they don't have that whole very, very orthodox churchy liturgical thing. But there's this there's this real kind of reverential choir aspect to some of the vocals especially in uh yep. i'm gonna fuck the pronunciation up here uh daudfana and blotgood it's it's so fucking like rivetingly mesmerizing yep
1: uh yeah the choral vocals i was going to touch on as well actually because at the end of the first song as well around the sort of seven eight minute mark like oh, yeah that's right yeah, yeah sort of choral back in vocals but yeah i've got on blotgood the last song it's basically five minutes of sort of chamber vocals, like vocalising over quite a beautiful string section, a xylophone and orchestra-type percussion, but it's so in keeping with the overall atmosphere of the rest of the record and it works perfectly, in my opinion, to close it out. I love the vocals generally all over this album because they are... they're
0: so intense, aren't they?
1: They are really intense. Well, they're predominantly sort of black metal, but in some of the slower parts specifically, the vocalist sort of bellows in a sludgy, sort of more deathy-type way sometimes, and it works really well in the whole landscape as well. And in the second song, oh lord, shot handy blood. Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's <laughs> there's some backing vocals that sound like a saxophone, and it's really quite confusing. Uh, but I love it. The repeated lead guitar line at the end of that song, as well, to take it home, is fucking lovely.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, it is like it is. It's really oddly melodic in a lot of places, even though it is this kind of really intense, fiery thing. I mean, it is. We have to say it is obviously quite esoteric it's long songs it's like six tracks in an hour i think mm. um but it, and even though we've kind of said all this it is it's so kind of viscerally human like it's really well recorded and it sounds audible which rather than you know polishing it and softening the rawness actually makes it feel more raw and more kind of right up in your grill and and really yeah. kind of almost like you can feel the feel the dirt on your skin and it's like i, I listened to this and it just, it's like it's like going out into the woods and really losing your shit and raging at the night sky and something's coming so close to losing your mind but at the same time being intensely kind of painfully aware of exactly where you are who you are and what you're doing there's this mm-hmm. really primal quality to it which i just think is unbelievable
1: yeah, personally I think Hell Hell the Regan is the sort of song that best exemplifies that and it's also my favourite song on the record. Built up for six minutes or so before coming in crushing with a mix of the vocals I've talked about, but some weird motif played on an instrument that I cannot work out and then goes into some really cool, like almost groovy parts like in the riffing, Um, and then a really epic three minute outro which sounds like the universe is just about to collapse. It's yeah.
0: good. Do you find it's like cause I think it's like really unpredictable because every time I think I'm they're about to go into melody, you actually get this kind of really dissonant chaos. And then when you kind of when you expect thunder, yeah. you get stillness and it's and all yeah. that kind of thing. Do you find that, that
1: that works for you too? Yeah, definitely. That makes it up really well. And like there's a lot of variation going on here as well, because you know, the first song, as good as it is, it's sort of fairly standard like in terms of like the black metal genre and then like the rest of the album like it goes all
0: over the place there's some yeah. really cool stuff going on here. yeah well i'm glad we agree on that one at least uh, because like uh, this is getting kind of boring because i always dislike what you like bring in but that's not going to happen next week but you know for now <laughs> seven kanoma by fear Nask is in the jukebox now and we will have a bumper set of new stuff for you next week i will try and be positive i promise uh, uh but for now that is tom at the hate crew gay bar that means time. We finished this week on a camp classic. As most of you will know by now, this is where we take a work of heavy metal that spoke to us as queers and explain why. It's a bit of an artefact for us this week. Uh, Matt, what were you doing in 2011? Um,
1: I was in year, year nine at school, so... So we should probably uh,
0: not ask too closely because it's probably something your mum doesn't know about. <laughs> well, <maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> well i was still a pretty new writer with metal hammer at the time and i had a bunch of my colleagues raving about this album that i just supposedly had to check out so i did uh, and it was like someone had gone back in the tardis to 1982 found a really g- good new wave of british heavy metal band and yanked them forward into 2011 stuck them in andy sneep's studio and made a record which is roughly what happened the album is called human remains the band are called hell and there was one song on it that jumped out as being relevant to me and has done every time i've seen them live which was a song called save us from those who would save us uh, did you know g- know about these guys before i suggested them as a camp classic uh
1: no um yeah i've I'd never heard of them before but uh i like
0: might check
1: out this album in full because i like the song it's a banger in it um, I'm not particularly sold on the vocals, that, like they're a bit much. But the song itself is really
0: cool. You, you not liking like high camp vocals, that uh, you shock me. Yeah, <laughs> It's a tad too much on it? Yeah, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, to, to give you a bit of background, the band were all set to release their debut in about 1983. Uh, the British band, uh, as you might have guessed from the new wave of British heavy metal title, but their label collapsed. The guitarist quit the band. The band folded. And that was that, until Sabat, and now Judas Priest guitarist, and also Uber producer Andy Sneap got involved. Andy Sneap used to go and see them a lot when he was a kid in Nottingham, and was taught to play guitar by the singer-slash-guitarist who sadly died. And he resurrected them, played in them, and produced their debut album which was originally written and in 1983 and was finally released in 2011. This song was actually a single back in 1983 if you can believe that. Why is it camp though? Why are we why do we think it's actually camp?
1: Well, <laughs> uh so the first verse um is very much uh, I've spoken before a little bit about sort of my experiences of going to a CV school and how sort of um the whole like Christian thing when I was younger like fucked me up a little bit <laughs> um, when I was coming to terms with my sexuality and whatever and this like really speaks of that to me um, the first verse I find it hard to see that in this modern age so many people are easily outraged they shouldn't be such narrow-minded fools I think the Puritans have more than had their say and I for one are bored with all the rules um, I didn't feel like I would be sort of accepted from like what the Bible said and everything and obviously this song it's about sort of religious stuff in other ways, um, but, you know, we've got that. Uh, so I I felt like, you know, I said before, I think when we were talking about uh, a Nathrax song the other week, um, some of those lyrics were like what I was telling myself um, was like going to happen when I was like, OK, God hates me and shit. Um, this sort of speaks in a similar sort of way to me.
0: Yeah. And it's all—it's the line after the the ones you just quoted as well that gets me as well, which is I'm sick and tired of people telling me what to do. Self-appointed guardians know better than me or you. Mm-hmm. Like that, basically, is kind of—it's it, talking about religious doctrinism, right? And it is—is yep. is, uh, we need to actually come in with a little content warning because the intro to the song has a bunch of what sounds like clips and news reports about sex crimes by priests. So if you plan to listen to it, know that that's there. That doesn't seem relevant to the rest of the lyrics, though, because most of the lyrics are more about being told what to do, I always read it as. Yeah, I found that weird. And it's more to do with kind of puritanical religious nonsense. You know, doctrinism, is partic- you know, do- doctrinaire attitudes yeah. to people in particular, which, of course, is massively relevant to queers, right? Because loads and loads of different religions have spent a lot of time, particularly, obviously, Church of England uh, which has exported homophobia around the world, has spent loads of time telling us that we're immoral, disordered, and sinful. There is a lot of shit that mm-hmm. people who are completely wedded to a doctrine and a dogma have done to the LGBT community. And I just hear the song and hear that. You, <laughs> you For me, obviously, it's a slightly more abstract term. In your case, it's a bit more personal. Yeah, Um.
1: yeah, Like it was incredibly freeing when, because obviously like, I guess I came out to myself around the same time that I sort of like disowned my religion and both of those things at once, you know, because obviously they went hand in hand, one was the cause of the other, I guess. It was incredibly freeing, but I remember, you know, before that happened, like the sort of few years where... I knew in my head that I was not heterosexual, but was trying to convince myself otherwise. Like it was a, yeah, it was a horrible time, but I mean, it's hard as well because with like, you know, I have, I have a couple of Christian friends, that's fine and everything, but what the Bible sort of says is gay people are not okay. And you know, there's so many people these days who are you know quite liberal and the christians or whatever he'd be like oh it's all about how you interpret it and i'm sorry it's not that's bollocks like it's written in black and white that you know gay people are not okay in the bible and that's sort of what i always had in my mind
0: yeah it is in the old bit though right isn't it leviticus is the one that well it's either saint paul or it's in because he didn't like us or it was or anyone basically he seemed to not like very very many people at all or it's in you know the very old bits of the old testament and there are plenty of people who are willing to say yeah well that might have reflected the best wisdom wisdom of the time four thousand years ago but that can just get in the bin now and i can kind of i can totally understand that perspective the problem is that there are plenty of people who understand, who ha- have that perspective and aren't willing to stand up to people who don't hold that perspective and say, look, would you shut the fuck up about the gays? Mm. <laughs> because, it's, because it's like there is a difference between faith and dogma. And yep. this seems to be talking about that to me. That's my interpretation, obviously. But again, I'm kind of speaking from the privilege of they're not doing it directly at me like it might be at me as a group but it, mm. you know in terms of law the law and things like that and in in public discourse but it's never one person saying it to me it's not been a priest standing up there telling me i'm bad because i i have come from a very atheistic background a mm. long line of of you know very agnostic and atheist welsh borderline communist basically <laughs> I, I don't share their political perspectives, but the atheism has stuck. Yeah, um,
1: it was I. I've always sort of thought, um, since then, because I, I only sort of like discerned religion and sort of came out to myself when I was maybe twelve, thirteen, and obviously it was my primary school that was the CV thing. So I left there when I was eleven. Um, but I'd I'd always sort of like I've thought in hindsight. Oh, sorry, in a few times since that it would be interesting to sort of go back and like meet a couple of those teachers or like meet a couple of the um you know the fucking vicars or whatever they're called that used to come into the school and take our assemblies and shit like that and have a conversation with them now because I'm like you know I'd obviously be respectful and whatever but I'd be like so how how do you feel about this this whole thing and like do you think it's right that fucking you're telling children these things at this age like it's weird Weird concept
0: yeah right? i'm it's it's always kind of weird how much the call is oh we must protect the children and by protect they mm. I mean indoctrinate and it's usually this It tends to be the sign of insecurity right like if you have to kind of convince them before anyone else gets to them that tends to yeah of course suggest that you're worried about what would happen if they were you know just allowed to absorb every all ideas and what they would choose yeah which sort of ties into
1: the concept that they like of like lack of free will as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and and gets into kind of wider concepts that we mm. probably shouldn't touch on here because we, no, we, we will just not. go straight down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I think for any listeners who are of faith, and I'm sure there will be some, there will be people who will say, oh, but there are affirming branches of multiple faiths and who are trying to stand up for the LGBT community in, uh, within their own faiths. And there are many within non-affirming denominations who are trying to change them from within. Um, and one person who was really serious about joining the show before Matt did falls into that category. Someone who is a, is a person of faith who is a very definite LGBT ally. Uh, and I know some other superb allies who are religious. We're not attacking you, right? We're not talking about you. You're great. We love you. What we're talking about are the people who are still trying to tell LGBT people that they're wrong. And that is not happening in far flung places where... You know, we kind of think as being backward and that we're more enlightened this is happening right here this happens in the uk the us canada australia and a whole host of other places where the majority of people are white the majority of people speak english and the main faith is a fairly protestant form of christianity so we're not talking about weird little niches of of minor religions or we're not talking about minority religions or we're not talking about the other side of the world it's right here and until that ends this kind of thing will c- continue to resonate with people like you and me even uh, even once we stop people having experiences like you had as a kid
1: yeah of course and you know I, I, like for me now being like sort of opposite of like that a sort of introvert and sort of like ashamed of myself and whatever um like when i see things like that still happening secondhand it's it sort of takes me back to the place it's really hard you know because i just feel so fucking sympathetic empathetic towards those people that it's happening to i'm like fuck man like how are we still here
0: yeah and we need it to move on or songs like this are gonna still gonna keep feeling like they're talking to us K's. but that's probably enough on Howell because this is a. a a topic I'm sure we will come back to another time. And, we-
1: on a lighter note, have you noticed before the actual intro there's like an intro intro which is like a couple of notes on a synth or something and it sounds like the Crash Bandicoot music from PlayStation 1.
0: Yes it does that's a very good point to end <laughs> on uh, and we will be back next week with a deep camp classic and god is that not one of my best puns even by the standards of my bad puns I can't even remember what it is <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll get off air and just go, oh, fuck, I know what you're talking about. But uh, just for now, that pun will just have to sink and die. Uh, But that's all we have for this week. Uh, We will be back next week with that, plus a bumper hate gay bar, as we spoke about earlier, and our chat about the amazing thing that Violet Cold has done. Uh, Matt, that may have got a bit serious at the end, but I hope you still had fun here. We didn't need the extra security for the hate gay bar either. No, and I'm amazed that on take 3 my internet has actually held out for the whole fucking thing. Yeah, we've managed to do it in one take. It's just the third (laughs) one. Uh, Cool, but until next time, listen to Man on Man, listen to Gojira, listen to Fianask, and remember, it does get better. A bientôt.
1: Arrivederci.
0: You, James Richardson.